Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. Uh, It's just Jen and I today. I think Melissa is getting chickens. Yes, she's picking up baby yes. chicks baby for chicks. her and I. Yes, oh, that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. And you had some a request for silkies, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Request for silkies. Um, so that means uh, it's just going to be Jen and I because Melissa yeah. is out getting new members of family. <laughs> <laughs> Chickens are family. Chickens are absolutely family. Mm-hmm. They have a house, so they're family. Um, today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, something that is very, uh, kind of important to us at Beyond Healing Center, which is called adaptive information processing, AIP, as you'll hear us refer to it. And that is just kind of very simply the way the past shapes our interpretation and experience of the present. Mm -hmm. And there's a million layers of depth to that. And we're going to go into that. But first I wanted to talk about, um, Patreon, which Some people tune this part out of a podcast, but I would really like you to listen because it's such a cool way for people to get involved and to get connected with us and for us to continue building community uh, around uh, nervous system informed and trauma informed care, which is really what we're passionate about Mm -hmm. is creating cultural shift and change around those ideas because we believe in them so much and we use them every day in our personal lives as well as our therapy. And um, yeah, so Patreon is a platform that exists where people, uh, listeners like you can, uh, get involved by, um, subscribing to and donating to, um, podcasters, um, people that are creating content and we would love for you to be, come part of our beyond healing center family. Um, so if you go on patreon.com backslash beyond trauma podcast, you will find, um, our faces and you will see, um, the episodes that we're releasing as well as a ton of bonus content on there. Um, and we're kind of revamping our entire Patreon platform. So we're going to try to be very intentional about, uh, the, the resources that we're building and creating and releasing for, for everybody, um, to make it worth your time as much as you, um, continue to help us reach these goals, which we do have a new goal, which is at $1,500 a month of subscribers, we're going to invest in uh, video recording equipment for Mm -hmm. these podcasts. um, So you can see our faces and interact with us as well as uh, for our um, recording studio so that we can uh, get video content out there for uh, demos and different uh, resources and things like that. So it'd just be a really amazing um, addition to our content creation and helping us get these types of resources out to people that um, that need them. Uh, and if you're into like a nice graphic tee, oh, my passion right. project here is <laughs> getting some really like nerdy t-shirts made. So if you're one of those people, nerdy you're my t-shirts people. that are also soft. Yes. That are gotta good, be good t-shirt. material. That's right. V-neck. That's right. V-neck. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> So, yes, that is, we're adding a lot of new things, but that is the one I don't want you to miss is there are t-shirts coming. There are t-shirts coming and they're going to have great uh, neuro nerd um, phrases on them. Yeah, mental health phrases. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So get on Patreon, check it out. It's going to be amazing. And we'd love to see you there. Also, we do Q and A's that are specifically for Patreon listeners. So in a way it gets you access to ask um, some questions. therapists uh these questions yeah and we'll do kind of a episode where we can 
either say your name or not, depending on where you're at with that, and um, kind of just give our minds to your question. Mm-hmm. So it's a very cool opportunity. Yeah. So all that uh, aside, jumping into today's episode, we're going to talk about AIP. Yes, kind of a mouthful. It is. Adaptive information mm-hmm. processing. So we'll go with AIP. It's yes. a little bit easier yes. to say. So Jen, you are, well, we are both EMDR clinicians, but you yes. are uh, like a super clinician, <laughs> super clinician. <laughs> in that you you are certified as well as a trainer yes. and AIP is at the um, at the base of EMDR. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you mm-hmm. wanted to open it up and I then we could just to. see where it goes. Yes. So AIP is the foundational, like theoretical model behind EMDR therapy and really explaining like what is EMDR even trying to do? So the mm. theory behind it is looking at all of our past life experiences get kind of processed through our systems. Mm. And when those experiences are, let's say, quote unquote, normal mm. or um, not highly activating, there's nothing really substantial, unique that's occurring in those. They get digested or processed through our system in an order in which we take in the information um, through our senses, um, through feelings, through our body sensations, our understanding of it. And that gets kind of filtered through, stored away in a healthy spot. There's nothing really unique to it. And so it just gets stored in a typical memory storage. And then you go on. And you may or may not be able to recall that memory back. Something may, you know, initiate a recall of that experience and you can remember it and continue to just kind of move on. The shift in that is if the experience that you are processing through is traumatic. So we've talked a lot about of what is trauma, mm-hmm. but highly activating or overwhelming to the system in some way that that typical processing system doesn't work. Yeah. It gets stuck. Mm-hmm. There's a lodge or a break in the system somewhere. And that quote unquote getting stuck means that that experience then gets kind of blocked in the system with potentially images that represent the memory, negative beliefs about the self or the world around us, um, upsetting emotions, disturbing emotions, and then distressing body sensations. Mm-hmm. And so that then when something recalls that memory back, which it's much more easily recalled until it's fully digested, it is recalled with all of those same stimuli again, mm-hmm. comes back the images, comes back the beliefs, comes back the emotions and the body sensation, and that becomes active in the present again. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when you say um, processing systems, what exactly mm-hmm. are you talking about? Well, really looking at this on different levels. So through EMDR, we're looking at the information processing. So the way mm-hmm. we take in information process through that and move it on into memory storage yes we and bring... that means we're we're talking about brain structures mm-hmm. systems of interconnected um structures in the brain so as you go through life experiences your brain is actually changing yes at each different experience and yeah. i don't know if you've ever thought about that as the listener but every experience you have your brain changes just a little bit and trauma makes bigger changes in the brain mm-hmm bigger changes so um something then that happens in the present utilizing those same brain areas or brain structures will get the shaping of the past Mm -hmm. and into like the changes being actual neural pathways yes 
and the neurons being fired and activated, and then even taking that into some of the things we've talked about with the nervous system Mm -hmm. and how the rest of the nervous system is activated and and responds to that is all connected. Um, And so literal new pathways Mm -hmm. being created in your brain every time you experience anything. Right. Yes. And this is also so validating to, I think, the lived experience of why do you keep doing the things that you don't necessarily want to, or why did you react that way, even though the situation is completely different? Um, and this goes off, I guess, into a little tangent for me right now, <laughs> um, which is um, I grew up in a kind of medium uh, to small city, like 200,000. Um, and I left for college and didn't come back to the city for maybe five or six years. Wow. And so when I came back, they had this new bypass system put in. And I drove in and they changed everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did I even grow up here? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't use the bypass at all. I just went the old highway course, route. because that's what you knew. And it took me about 30 minutes, just like it normally would, to get to where I needed to go. And my dad was just like, hey, how about that bypass? You got here in probably 10 minutes. And I was like, no, I don't. I didn't know how to use it. And he's like, yeah. oh, you, did, you didn't use the bypass, the new pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, you used the old one. Why did you do that? And I just said, well, because I knew it. That's the path that I've gone so many times before. Right. Yeah. And to me, that really gets at some of the making sense of our lived experience when it comes to you know, reacting the old way. Even though there's a new opportunity, we still don't know that new opportunity. And we're using that old structure because it worked. Yeah. And even when, let's say in this metaphor, um, you take the bypass the next time you come home. Yeah. And then maybe the next time you come home, you're not really thinking much about it, right? You're distracted and you find yourself on the old path again. Old path again. And you're like, wait a minute, yeah. why am I here? The bypass was faster. Yes. But it's going to feel more, your your system is going to be more inclined to take the path it knows. It's very familiar. Yep. And maybe if it's, you know, storms coming through, you're going to take the path you know. Because at least versus, I know it. Yeah. 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 The bypass might make it get me there faster, but I'm not too sure about it. Yeah. And it's at night. And so I don't really know because yes. the exits, I just don't know them yet. So I'm just exactly. going to go and take the old way. Which is exactly what we do in our yeah. lives. We will default to what's familiar and what is known, even if it's not the most effective, the most adaptive, productive yeah. route. And this is a little bit just a quirk about me. I still take the old way. Of course you do. <laughs> not surprised by that at all. the old way, even though I know. The, the bypass is faster. It's just mm-hmm. nostalgic for me. Yes. So. <laughs> right. The metaphor we use um, in teaching this to other clinicians is very similar to this. But if you were to, you know, let's say you lived in a community where you had to go fetch water from mm-hmm. a stream every day, you would take the path to the stream again and again and again. And over time, that would become kind of the beaten down path. And so as you take that over and over, it's already worn, it's beaten down. If something entered into that path, I think the metaphor goes with like a lion or a tiger or something frightening, um, comes into the path, you're going to, of course, panic, have all of those survival responses, run back home. And as you have to then go get water the next day, Mm. you're going to want to take that same path because that's what you know, but there's going to be a fear response about it. Yes. It's going to be activating and it's going to be stored in your system with this path. Because yesterday. Oh. Right. I almost died. Yeah. It's not lion. safe. Yes. And so eventually you'll have to find an alternate path. And it may take a little bit longer and maybe a harder path because it's not worn down. But you'll take that old path as a way to avoid the trauma that occurred. 
avoid that activation. Yes. That new neural network is now developed in avoidance of the old one because of the trauma, yes. traumatic experience. And that I happened. love that man- that metaphor because it gets to the and this is a phrase that um, is common in EMDR, but it's a state specific mm-hmm. memory, which yes. means it's it is the path. It's the need to go get the water. It's the time of day. It's what you experienced before on that path. And then that, you know, it may just take one piece of that to mm-hmm. activate that whole experience again. Yes. It may take even the need for water. Yeah. Just the thought of being just the thirsty. Thought of, oh, I need water. Oh, yes. And it's like you're reacting as if the lion is right there. Yeah. Even though we're, that was outside a mile away next to the stream. Why am I reacting like that right now? Well, your body paired the need for yes. water with that terrifying stimuli. And that is the, the that information processing happening. Yes. So as you are engaged in that specific state and your body pairs all of that, in order to survive, it is going to give you the anxiety and adrenaline and the fear when you think about going to get water again to prevent you from encountering that life-threatening yeah. animal. So this also gets, I'm going to jump back to my metaphor as well, because uh it's true to this next sentence, but what all of this means of the, you know, the state specific nature of that pairing and how that happens where we, you know, it only takes one stimuli of that whole experience Mm -hmm. to trigger that same exact response. Um, And this is something we talk about in one of our trainings that this means our body and brain remembers the sensory elements of our experience along with the story that we tell ourselves with it. Mm -hmm. For me going home, there's a reason I don't take the new way. It means that things are changing mm. and it means that my hometown is changing and it means that my memories are now gone and it means that I'm letting go of those pieces. Yeah. So I'll take the old way because every single time I take the old way, I see the McDonald's that I went on a date with in, when I was 13 years old <laughs> right. or I'll drive by the old movie theater, which is closed down, but mm-hmm. it's still there, yep. which means I remember the first real date I went on when I held hands or whatever. And then I remember the Sharon Williams that I passed because that's where I got my first job. Yeah. And, you know, and it just takes me right down main street, which is like the super cool place where I'm from. And so even though it's the old way and it takes me longer, it's serving a purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't want to let go yes. of that time. And so I'll take the extra 15 minutes yeah. Because it's worth it to me. But that's the story paired with that state experience. And if I take the new way, it feels like I don't know my home. Yeah. And that's a very like unsettling. Absolutely. Feeling. It's like, yeah, it makes me feel homesick even though I'm in my hometown. Yeah. So the story is, oh, it's just nostalgic. Right? right. And it is. But the avoided stimulus is, I feel like this is unfamiliar. I feel like things are moving and changing at a rate that I'm not keeping up with. All of that's very unsettling. And so we'll create the story if it's nostalgic. I enjoy seeing these things. Exactly. Yeah. My dad's like, man, what are you? I'm supposed to be the man that's not not okay with change. What are you? Millennials are supposed to be all about change. I'm just like, well, I have a heart, dad. Yeah. (laughs) My home can't be unfamiliar to me, okay? (laughs) I have a heart. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) that's, that's a little bit about me. Um, yes. So I want to talk a little bit about triggering what that, what AIP would, would say triggering is. So I don't know if you could talk to that a little bit. So with AIP, we would explain triggering as something that resembles one of those that stimuli enough that it taps in to the memory network where the traumatic experience was stored. And so it could be an image, a belief, a body sensation, an emotion 
that is similar enough that it, it activates that old memory network and then comes the flood of experience from mm. the memory that was not yet processed. Or right. we use digested a lot yes. as a metaphor of if it's not digested well, it's still there and it's mm. easily tapped back into versus mm-hmm. something that gets fully processed and stored away. Yeah. It may not call back to that as easily. And so if we encounter something that's somewhat similar enough and it opens up the memory network of the experience that had not been fully processed, we get the flood of all of that information coming back up in the present tense. Yeah. And I just want to say, we've said it already, but the your brain is not doing that because you're crazy or you're still broken or whatever. Your brain is doing that because it says, well, this is similar enough. Like, let's just react like the yeah. old way because Survival. that, yeah, we got to keep ourselves alive. Yeah. Like, no, don't go down that path at all because that means if you don't go down the path, you're not going to run into the lion. So why would you even take a step on that path? Right. Who cares? Right. You don't need it. And it's not even about logic or rationale, no. right? No. It's not like, well, the lion could come to the new path. Exactly. <laughs> but it's really just this. It, it's before it reaches logic. Lions only right? exist on that path. <laughs> right. Okay? Like, that's only where they exist. So I'm just not going to go down that path. And they'll yeah. be fine. Right. But no, you can't make me go down that path. But that decision is a decision made in your brain on a level that is below way conscious before awareness. you're consciously aware. That's yep. right. Yeah. Um, and so that means um, that when that past experience is activated, we respond with the same strategy mm-hmm. that we did before. And that's the crucial piece is that it takes it doesn't take very much to activate that old way. Yeah. It just takes a similar enough stimuli, just one small thing, and that whole thing is fired. What I want to hone in on that you just said that's kind of merging AIP with polyvagal theory is do we do strategy that? word. Yes, we do. <laughs> strategy. Strategy, yes. Which means the reason I love that word so much is it says it is an, a, an approach to survival. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's an attempt or an approach that has been effective that's at right. some point in time. Yep. Otherwise, we wouldn't be throwing it out there. No. It worked for us in some capacity, in some way, and it is a strategy that our system is trying to give us again to help us to that same agenda of surviving. And so when it activates that same strategy again, oftentimes in life, our strategies can become to feel like a burden, a problem, Mm -hmm. they're dysfunctional, they inhibit us, they are our symptoms. But when we start to shift and look at them as strategies Mm -hmm. and and have a different perspective over them, we can work with them differently. Yes, exactly. And it just Mm de-shames, de-shames and normalizes because that is what so many people, so many of my clients walk in with is just that I'm there. It's almost as if they're expecting me to shame them for the ways their body had to survive yeah and that or they've means... been shaming themselves exactly yes time. exactly and that to me and i'm talking about anything like i don't care what it is whether it's a drug addiction or sex addiction or just a romance addiction or any type of way that your body has been or maybe just severe independence mm-hmm. shutting out everybody your body is doing that for a reason and i don't think the way to heal that is through questioning it but trying to understand it yes, and see why did the body choose that strategy in the first place? And can we see if that's the best way we want to go about it now, if that's still the strategy we want to use, because that's ultimately up to your nervous system and your body. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to convince you. Your body has to feel it be yeah. different for it to trust it. And that's where AIP 
is saying we can't just convince ourselves to do it differently. We can't just talk through how to respond differently, but it's actually because of those experiences that were not processed thoroughly that we have those reactions. Mm. So then the approach is let's go back to those unprocessed experiences Mm -hmm. and reprocess them. Yeah. Let's help them be stored in a healthy, adaptive way so that they don't keep coming up with the yeah. maladaptive images, beliefs, emotions, and biases. And one of the ways to do this, which isn't the only way, but one of them is through EMDR. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Jen, we were talking before we started recording about a resource that we could yeah. kind of provide. I don't know if it makes yeah. sense here to... Yeah, I think so. Okay. Those you listening may have heard of EMDR therapy, probably from us for sure, but (laughs) even outside of us, um, heard about EMDR therapy. And we have a resource that we will um, post in addition to this episode of us just kind of explaining what is EMDR in detail. So you'll hear a lot of these similar pieces that we're talking about with the AIP model, but then looking specifically at how does EMDR treat that and work with that. So we'll share that as a resource to be able to listen to if it's something that you're curious about, mm-hmm. interested in for yourself or someone that you yeah. care about. One of the amazing things about EMDR and AIP, because AIP is at the base of it, EMDR believes in the body's natural ability mm-hmm. to heal. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And I want us to kind of talk about that of what makes what makes us think that the body can naturally heal from trauma. Yeah. What would you say to that? Well, a lot I would say to that. The body is created to heal and regenerate Mm. in all capacities. Like if we just start with a a physical medical level, if you break your arm, the doctor may help support it Mm -hmm. and give it a cast, but the doctor is not the one that will heal the bone. Yeah. Your body has what it needs to do that. Mm. It's created in a way that can heal that bone, but it may need support and structure in order to do it in a way that it's going to be functional, not create additional pain. Like it Mm -hmm. may need some support in that. So if we look at that neurologically and and within the brain, it also, we can heal those those neural pathways that are really maladaptive, um, Mm. ineffective for us, add extra stress in our lives. We can recreate Um, those experiences and have them stored with more adaptive pieces Mm -hmm. so those new neural pathways can be made and the brain is constantly growing and developing and healing and so knowing that as the therapist involved we can support that process and helping it you know work out well and be a part in that but we are not the ones doing the healing yes and i think one important part of this is we're opening up the body to a new idea of change inside especially in therapy inside a Mm co-regulated relationship Mm -hmm. inside a a space where you're experiencing those feelings but it's in the presence of an attuned caregiver Mm -hmm. which so many of us did not have growing up and that's a big part of therapy in the beginning and if you listen back to our first season we talk about the connection that you feel with your therapist and how safe your body feels and how or if the space between you and your therapist is one that you can talk about yeah. those things yeah. of my body feels safe or my body doesn't feel safe. And is that something we can actually put explicit language to because AIP, one of the things that makes those rewirings so concrete is that they were in the presence mm-hmm. of somebody else. Mm-hmm. That means that our body now has a template for responding in an adaptive nature with an attachment figure or with well, a person. Venture to say that a huge reason 
oftentimes that it's traumatic in the first place yes. is because it did not occur in relation to a co-regulated figure. Yeah, a tuned attachment figure. That's yes. right. And so um, I don't want to say that's like a, a, a black and white rule because there are some scenarios that, that may not be the case. Like you could go through trauma with somebody and still have traumatic response to that or traumatic effect. But if you look at a child, they can experience some really hard things. Yeah and be so resilient and adaptive to that if they have the relationship of healthy attachment figures. Just because Mel isn't here, do you remember that night at your house where Honora... Mm, with what, the dog. With Oakley. Yeah, yeah, I do. Very well. Can you... In fact, I probably have more anxiety than okay. she has about it. <laughs> Are you okay to talk about sure, this? Because sure. I think it's an incredible example Yeah. of, you know, we were all, the three of us, and then Jen and her husband, Ryan, um, we hang out all of the time. Uh, it's beautiful. But that means also that our children uh, kind yeah. of mix and mingle and hang out. Um, and uh, one night we were all sitting together and Honora, who is um, Melissa's daughter, uh, four, three, 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 yeah. almost four though. Yep, it's coming up. Almost. Holy cow. Uh, three kind of ran up and Oakley was sleeping. Oakley is your dog. A very large Great very Pyrenees large. Golden Retriever mix. Yes. Still... Uh, just a year old so, and was a rescue dog. So just right. for a little background. <laughs> kind of anxious, uh, but yes. also, yeah, just sort of dysregulated some yeah, of the time. Yeah, very territorial. Uh -huh. and, mm -hmm. and so Honora was running to Melissa mm -hmm. and ran right up to Oakley, who was just sleeping. And so Oakley woke up to this three-year-old storming yeah. in on him, and he snapped at her yeah. and didn't bite hard, but got her. Mm-hmm. And Honora, of course, freaked out and, uh, you know, the whole thing erupted and uh, Ryan got Oakley outside. But then Melissa yeah. was so intentional about getting into that co-regulated attuned space with Honora. And, and she so just calm. Sto so calm and started putting meaning to it right there with yeah. her of we scared him mm -hmm. when we walked up and she's tapping the whole time. Yep. She's using something called bilateral stimulation on Honora as she's putting the language to it. And she's just cooing with her, with the tone and the body yeah. posture. And that was really scary, wasn't yeah. it? So validating, validating. Yes. all of her emotions in that. Yes. And it took maybe 10 minutes. And she's never talked about it again. Never she's talked been, about it. Doesn't react negatively around Oakley. Been multiple times been back and doesn't seem fearful at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's crazy. So if you take like the exact same scenario, but... A setup where the parent responds of either panics, anxious, oh, come here, come here, come here, oh my gosh, are you okay, are you okay, that had to be so scary, get this dog out of here, Yeah. that kid is going to absorb the anxiety about it That's and right. say, oh my gosh, I need to be so afraid. Dogs are not safe. Yes, or the alternative of the shame. Right. What were you thinking? You, you can't, can't just run, run up on, on a sleeping dog. dog. Yeah, and then the stored experience is, I'm bad. Right. I did something wrong right. and this shameful experience yes. and that will get stored. So yes. this is a perfect example of information processing. That's right. Right? So it's how the information is taken in, how it gets stored and processed through. In the real story, Honora has nothing that's reactivating and re-triggering that because all of that was well digested and processed through in yes. the past. Yes. In the alternative scenarios we're talking about, that experience would get stored, not processed and digested and moved through, but yeah. stored with 
potentially negative image, belief, emotion, body sensation. Yes, and it doesn't happen like this all the time. Like this was just one of the instances where it all the beautiful pieces Mm -hmm. were there because Melissa was able to have that kind of grounded sense of, okay, and I want to apply the four S's to this situation. which was last episode. Last episode, if you're Mm -hmm. not familiar, go back. We talk about safe, seen, suit, secure, which is from Dr. Dan Siegel, just beautiful human. Um, the, this situation had all the right ingredients to make it, um, less than traumatic for Honora mm-hmm. and something that she could integrate into, well, yeah, maybe I don't run up on a dog that's sleeping and I'm kind of attentive to my environment, but that doesn't mean I'm bad or that yeah. dogs are bad or that I should be afraid. It just means yes. I need to be aware, but she was safe after the event. Oakley was gone. Mm-hmm. The threat, which Oakley isn't a threat, but in that moment yeah. he was. Yeah. Ryan had secured the environment, so she was safe. Melissa knew that, and mm-hmm. she knew that she was in connection with us. We were all going to protect that space, so she's yeah. safe. Then Melissa said, that was so scary, yeah. and that, that must have hurt, and that must have been so frightening to mm-hmm. you. So she was seen mm-hmm. right there, and then Melissa made space for her to be heard, and that, ma- that combination made it something that could actually soothe yeah. And and she was, you know, kind of holding her and just gently I wish I had a video camera. Just See, like video. like touching her arms yeah. and kind of like pressing yep. like a, a nurturing touch, pressing yep. on her arms, kind yep. of rubbing her back a little bit. So there was a lot of just even physical, physical regulation of like, yes. okay, that's okay. And kind of yes. bringing that heightened activation back down. Yes, exactly. And so in that process, you know, Melissa was saying bodily to Honora, as well yeah. as in her voice and in her words that you know, the threat is over. Mm-hmm. We are safe and we are connected. Yes. And that right not there. Alone in no, this. I see you. I'm here with you. We're going to ride this out together and make it something that can actually bring us closer together. Mm-hmm. That level of safe scene soothed led to the security in their relationship yeah. between Anora and Melissa. Um, and like I said, that doesn't happen all the time. Um, Even the security of Anora in her environment, her yes. security of Anora just as her. Yes, as <laughs> herself. Yes. Yes. Which yes. It's so beautiful. Yes, it's so beautiful. And that doesn't happen all of the time. And there are plenty of instances where, uh, you know, a bid for connection was turned away or the mm-hmm. distress was too large and we just didn't have that. You know, I'm reminded of, of Piper mm-hmm. stepping on the thorn or the bees or mm-hmm. whatever else, like all kinds of mm-hmm. things. Anora um, is, uh, or, Piper is Jen Zanora, basically. Yes. <laughs> my and they, three-year-old. And they are fantastic together. Um, best friends. Best friends. Uh, Piper calls her my Nora, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, and I love Piper and Nora so much. Um, but it's in, in so many instances of life where the information processing systems are waiting on the unfolding of reality mm-hmm. to learn the structure they need to take in the brain. And that is what's going to dictate our response potential in the present and in the future. Yeah. Not that that's how it has to go, but that's the way we're going to lean if yeah. we don't have a corrective experience mm-hmm. or a disconfirming experience. And, you know, within, as Bridger was saying, within that experience, we had everything we needed to play it out just right. There's a lot of those stories where maybe the the environment wasn't then secured and the dog was like going at her and yes. then still attacking and yes and she would have had to learn an adaptation to keep her safe in mm-hmm. that um and so it doesn't always get to play out so beautifully that beautifully but 
as he as Bridger's mentioning now, there's the corrective experience mm-hmm. that can come back in. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about and as a parent or even for ourselves about having it go right every single time, but about being able to come back and give that experience the attention that it needs and all of the ingredients that it needs to be able to be processed Mm. completely through so that it's not our system isn't having to hold on to it as a way to keep as a way for us to think we're going to stay alive and and survive. That it's about, yeah, exactly. That's about survival. Yes. Right. That it can say, okay, I don't need this experience at the forefront. I can kind of Mm. let that go. Mm. And I may be able to recall it at some point if I ever need it, but it doesn't have to stay active right there. Right. So Mm. beautiful. Um, as is kind of now my thing, I guess, with these podcasts, I'm wondering what your kind of takeaway from our conversation is today about AIP. Hmm. I have so many takeaways. <laughs> just go, just start going through them. Cause that's okay. what I think. Well, the first one is just, I mean, it's fresh in my mind because we're just saying it, but it's about that reparative experience really mm. honing in on that can be done in therapy and outside of therapy. Yeah. And so the highlighted piece I was, I was going to say earlier, that relational piece between the therapist and the client, mm. it's something that's mentioned in EMDR, but not emphasize nearly as much mm. as what it needs to be. Yes. And so if a few listeners have experienced EMDR and said like, well, that's not what it was like for me. Like, yeah. It's actually just that's true. go with that. Notice that. Go with that. Notice that. Like yeah. no engagement. The key ingredient is really about that safe, connected experience, that co-regulation that happens there that says, I can go back and bring up that memory that's so activating to my system and give it a new way of experiencing that same stimuli. Well, and that's something that as these these experiences of correction or disconfirming are generalized, which is a term that we use to say it's not just based on the reprocessing that happens in the room between the therapist and client, but that it can actually go out Mm -hmm. and be taken into their life Mm -hmm. as those instances start to start to occur more and more. Those themselves turn into corrective experiences, disconfirming experiences Mm -hmm. where it could have been something, you know, I have this situation all the time where if I'm working with one partner of a, of a spousal relationship, you know, we'll be talking about something that six months ago when we started working together, would have gone a completely different direction. Right, right. And as they describe this to me and how different it was, I don't just say, okay, and then what happened next? Like I go very slow, just like, okay, wait, I know that you want to get to the next part of this, but do you see already how this is so different? Yeah. Then six months ago, and they're just like, oh yeah, six months ago, this would have never happened. I would have blown, yeah. I would have blown my lid or I would have shut down or I would have done whatever. But they're their brain is giving us the evidence that it's been it's been working really hard mm-hmm. underneath the surface mm-hmm. to change the expectations, meaning to change the structural arrangements of how things are going to be processed and responded to in the brain. Yeah, that and that's so slowing down with them gives them the chance for their brain and their body to feel the yeah, difference. To mutually recognize mm-hmm. between the two of them, their body and their mind, yes. to say, "Oh, dude." This was different yeah, because they could they could say like oh yeah that, oh totally I know this is different right but let's take a minute and pause and let your body register like mm-hmm. how different does it feel right now yes. and let's just sit there for a minute yes because that that is where the shifts I 
for me, I feel like are so big and mm-hmm. with my clients of like, it's not just knowing it's different, right? but it's like feeling how different it is. Yes, absolutely. And even as we talk about it, my body, I can I feel know, it just like, tingles. yes, exactly. Tingles because my body's like, Oh, I want, I want that. Yeah. That's yes. That right there. <laughs> that's the thing. I want that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so cool. So, so cool. Um, so you said, you mentioned you had a couple others or just that there were so many. You go ahead and share one of your takeaways and then I'll come. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> To me, and any time we talk about the brain, the nervous system, the mind, the body, I'm just blown away by how adaptive it all is together, mm-hmm. how it's working for the sake of survival, but it's so much more intricate and complex than that. Um, you know, we we are able to navigate through some wildly complex dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about my own uh, life of my relationship with my parents and, um, how difficult that was. And all the while I'm, you know, as a 16 year old kid, just making it work, I guess, Mm. and struggling, but moving forward, Mm -hmm. looking back on that, I just don't have any connection with that anymore of like how I was able to do that. It just didn't even occur to me that it could be another way. And I know an option you just had to No, Yeah, it just was. And I know that for other people who have had similar, even more kind of extreme uh, trauma than I, it was the same thing for them. Mm -hmm. It was just, well, yeah, that's just how you do it. That's what it is. And that right there is the, you know, and go fish, just laying out all the cards, Mm. just saying like, this is where I'm at. Yeah. This is the strategy that I used because it worked and it kept me alive. And yeah, I have shame over it and I uh, am fearful and choose to deal with that with either anxiety or depression or both. And maybe some other really interesting diagnoses, but ultimately I'm here. Mm -hmm. I had to. I had to. And that how special that is to be able to recognize those as strategies and not as pathologies um, or your illnesses, um, to me, is just so honoring and and so beautiful. And if you're going to walk in as a therapist and tell me my strategies are bad and wrong and broken, then, oh my gosh, like even their system is going to resist you and that work of like, no, 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 don't come in and tell me what I've been doing to survive Exactly, is a bad thing. I needed it. Yes, exactly. And sometimes it comes out in that powerful, you know, bitterness or that kind of like retort. But other times it's just like, that's the same story they've been hearing from everybody else in their life. It's internalized as shame. Shame. It's just like, yeah, I know I'm messed up. I know I'm crazy. Do I need to pay you more yet because of how messed up I am? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What medication now? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The the other takeaway that I was going to share, um, and we mentioned it at the, kind of towards the beginning of this conversation, but maybe not with this word, neuroplasticity. Mm. It's the idea that literally our brains are constantly changing and adapting and, and growing and developing. And so with on one side of that, that means when trauma occurs – it, it has an impact. Yeah. Like it will affect the way our brain is developed, the way our nervous system is shaped. The hope in that though is if trauma can do that, then the alternative can occur as well. That's right. So a healthy experience yeah. can have an impact as well. Mm-hmm. And so really sinking into those corrective experiences, those adaptive experiences, mm-hmm. and saying this also 
has the opportunity to shape and reshape my neurodevelopment, but also, you know, the nervous system shaping Mm -hmm. and then my thoughts, it it eventually will start to change. How do I perceive the world? Yeah. Um, And so our brains can be changed for the good and for the bad. Yes. But knowing that it's not a hopeless race. No. And that every moment your brain is incorporating its experience into change. And it's either going to maintain or it's going to change. Mm -hmm. That's how it's going to go. And so as you carry that forward, every moment then can become an opportunity for healing. Mm -hmm. Every single one. A banana. (laughs) You could enjoy a banana. healing in the banana? Oh, it's everywhere. (laughs) Come on. Just in the peel. Well, come on, Jen. All right. An apple? I don't know. What's your... Plum? What do you got? Pomegranate? (laughs) Blueberries. Any of them. I've seen Piper Terran as a blueberry. So I'm assuming... Um, yes, but every opportunity can be a moment, um, where healing can take place. Mm -hmm. That to me is the most hopeful thing. That to me is what empowers me even in the despair of a client feeling at the bottom of a pit. Yeah. I know that there's hope. Mm -hmm. I know it. And there's so much that can be offered in a therapy setting. Yes. When, when partnered with the right person. That's right. Yes. Um, I think that's all I have. Yeah. Well, to kind of wrap this all up, if you like what you're hearing, if this is really starting to get you curious more, or what you're hearing is making you think of like, man, my employer needs to know this, or I work in a field that I wish we all treated our patients or our clients like this. Or just Um, our staff. Staff, yes. We have a training that is, you know, more of this kind of information in depth that's called trauma-informed care. Mm -hmm. And so anyone who's interacting with any human (laughs) could benefit from this. Do you have a nervous system? Yes, in our opinion. Then you need this, yes. (laughs) But really, um, some of the places we've gotten to offer it before are actually with um, groups of people who are in public service Mm -hmm. or offer healthcare healthcare yes yeah um, but even like for a large staff of just we are all humans and so the way that we are affected by our life experiences show up in our work show That's up in our right. family show up in our friend groups mm-hmm. um so yes if you're interested in more information on this we have a three-day training and it's called trauma-informed care and we're going to actually be offering it virtually mm-hmm. So you can just, from the comfort of your own home, get on Zoom and be a part of this training. We are offering it on June 3rd through June 5th. So if you want more information on this, you can email us at training at beyondhealingcenter.com and we can send you kind of the schedule and the outline of what all it will have and a link to register. But we would love for you to email us any questions or thoughts that you have about it. And we would love to see you on that training. It'll be live virtual training. So thank you guys so much for listening in. And we hope to hear from you soon. Safe journeys, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.